joined this afternoon by James Rowe, driving the 29 car for Andretti Autosport. First off, man, how are you? Thanks for joining. Good, good. All is well. Back here in Indy after a pretty solid weekend in Nashville, and uh, it's yeah. race week again, so can't complain. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah, no problem. So, you know, Nashville was your best Indy Lights result, finishing fourth, but it was a pretty you know, tough weekend to start. Qualifying got canceled. The weather was nuts. It was, you know, 400% humidity on race day. So, you know, does not being able to qualify kind of maybe hurt? Because maybe if you were able to qualify, you you could have you know, easily been on the, comp- the podium or contending for a win, or are you just going, you know what, I made the best out of, uh, you know, a tricky weekend. Yeah, it's kind of a, a catch-22. Um, first of all, it was the first weekend where we were all very, very happy with our cars after practice. Um, I mean, the team done a phenomenal job. The cars that we rolled out with on Friday were the cars that we raced with on, on Sunday, just to give you an idea of how good of a job the guys at Andretti Autosport did uh, leading up to the event. So, yeah, we rolled out very strong. It was wet in practice one. Um, to start off with, we were we – were, super fast um in it you know the quickest car throughout all of practice in the rain i think we're at one point we we're like p1 by 1.5 seconds something nuts um and then it dried out and we we're very quick at the end of the session i hit the wall um on a lap that was about to put us p1 so that's how it goes in street courses um yeah. and then practice two we had a mechanical um Got that rectified and then set out the rest of the session because it was wet. And we we saw our pace the day before, so we had nothing to prove. I knew where the grip was and we knew what to do with the car. And then qualifying was cancelled, which we were bummed about because a we had so much pace in the wet and in the dry. Um, and it was the first time in a long time we the front row uh, pit boxes on, on the pit lane, which is hugely valuable in the lights right now or in the next, given the the short. Uh, qualifying session so in an eight minute session track position position comes very important and when sure. you're in the pit lane it's a huge advantage so we were all very excited to utilize that um lineup uh anyway we didn't get got taken away and, and put on championship points so started eight and yeah worked away forward was pretty clean um and third fastest lap of the race and, and good points so yeah it would have been nice i mean to start up front and i definitely think a podium or win was on the cards this weekend with the pace we had but I guess you got to just deal with the cards you're dealt every now and then. Fair enough. So I wanted to ask you a bit of a general question. I remember hearing your name back, I think, in 2018. I saw an article that you had driven some of John Campion's cars. I don't right. remember some back in the day. So I wanted to ask you a little bit about just your journey into racing. I know your uncle did some professional racing and I guess sort of how that relates to your association with uh, John Campion, who unfortunately, as we know, has passed away. But yeah, how did how did that all work, and how did you get to where you are now? Oh, it's been a wild ride, I guess. Uh, so yeah, I grew up in Ireland. Family business in Ireland's a motor repair shop. Um, uncle had a professional career in motorsport in the eighties and nineties, and IMSA and IndyCar and stuff, and Japanese sports cars. And basically, long story short, um, I always wanted to get involved in the sport through the family business and the motor repair side and my uncle's involvement. And my dad turned around to me and said, here's the deal. You save up the money to purchase your first car with the resource and the family repair shop to work on the car and operate it. And your uncle has the knowledge and expertise to coach you and engineer it or whatever that may be. So it took me to the last 15 years of age to get the money together. It was 5,000 euro at the time. I bought a Janetta Junior. It's a class for 14 to 17 year olds in Ireland, the UK. 
Um, there's one racetrack in Ireland, two miles from where I grew up, and we went out there on first day we're on the podium I uh, said so, wow we should take this a little more serious and long story short that's how we got involved in two years over there with wins and lap records and then went to Formula Ford 1600 in the UK um, and had success over there and then always wanted to come to the US had a goal and vision to come over here really down to the fact that there's like a, a clear ladder to the top over here and scholarship systems in place and prize money and pole money and there's, there's more opportunity across the board um and moved over yeah at 18 just after i finished high school in ireland packed up all my bags and came here had never even been to the country not even on vacation um so i landed in chicago in february obviously uh that was a bit of an experience because i ended up in, <laughs> in wisconsin uh with arms up motorsport uh who offered me a test in their f2000 program in early 2018 so I arrived in elkhart lake uh as an 18 year old never been in america in February, snowing, freezing cold, wondering this isn't what I thought America was um, in the back of my mind. But anyhow, got the deal done that year with Arms Up and we went and, and raced in, in F2000 and had some wins and uh, lap record that year and then got a scholarship to the US Formula 3 the following year from Ligier, utilized it, two years there. Then ultimately the Indy 500 is the goal and, and still is and, and always was so then got on the road to Indy with Peter Dempsey and his his team turned through motorsport out of Chicago um obviously an Irish owned and operated team is a big part of of let's say my program is, is the Irish factor of it all um a lot of our partners involved are Irish so went with him and had success that year with him and uh yeah Indy Lights last year was a was a difficult year as, as everyone knows and that was quite shaky didn't finish the year out did a partial season there and uh then Obviously, Andretti Autosport has always been a team that any young driver in America wants to be talking to or speaking to. And we had a dialogue going with JF um, for JF Torman, president of Andretti Autosport for a long time. And he just sat me down last year, was in Road America and said, hey, you know, what's going on with your season or fill me in. And um, obviously, in the meantime, I'm saying to him, well, I want to drive for you guys and, you know, any seats available. And we were back and forward, back and forward. And um it was actually when I went to Europe then to compete in the European GT3 championship for one of our partners over there. And we were having success over there when our light season stopped. Um, that sparked the interest from him. And he said, hey, you want to come and do an evaluation test? No promises. Um, we may have an option for you. Come do the test. Let's see what we got. So came back, did the test. Thankfully, things went well. And they offered us the contract. And uh, yeah, here we are now. So kind of been a quick journey, you know, no go-karting, no nothing. Um, it was actually funny. Only recently I sat down. I made Ohio with Michael Andretti and he, he didn't even know I didn't know carding. He said, wait, hold up a second. He only started in, in 2015. He said, that one slipped by my desk. I wasn't sure of that. So um, <laughs> it's been a, a wild ride um, to this point and it's only getting better and better. Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast hosted by me, Minter Dial a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning or have never even heard of paddle, or padel as it's called in North America, this is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season, 
aligning with the Pro Tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle Podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime, and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. So with skipping and not skipping, but, you know, kind of getting a late start in in 2015 and maybe not the traditional route that a a lot of kids go with, with carding, has it been, you know, have there been unforeseen challenges along the way, you know, getting your racing career up and going that maybe if you were in carding wouldn't have happened that maybe people aren't, you know, aren't familiar with? Yeah, I think there's a, there's a few factors to it. I, I think driving the actual car probably haven't lost, lost that too much, but certainly racecraft and then just the general pressure of motorsport at times. You know, I think one of the major advantages to top-level karting is guys from, you know, 10 or 11 years of age who are really in the main championships can come up and they're used to that pressure of having to get it done on two laps or having to go out and hit the peak of the tire. And if they don't, they're going to be starting way back or... The, the, the you know the racecraft that's starting coming through a pack and all that kind of stuff that you just build up and it becomes repetition um so certainly missed out on it but then again in some aspects you could argue it pays dividends because there's a lot of guys come out of carts and they have to relearn driving because cars are so different sure, so sure. there's pros and cons to everything i just think the way that i had to get into motorsport and the way that i i go about racing you know i haven't had a cent of family funding ever in my career um is that it it makes me really want it and, and you got to work extremely hard to do what we're doing. Um, and that has paid off a lot. You know, the mindset that that created has, has been super beneficial. So kind of on that same note, obviously last year, as you mentioned, Indy Lights was, you know, it's a little bit of a tough season and you have a full season this, this year. Has there been something between last year and this year that you've kind of learned that's clicked that's like, you know, this is what I need to you know be up front consistently fighting for podiums, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I think, um, well, it's kind of different. It's hard to compare the two championships even last year to this year because qualifying format has changed so much this year yeah. in the sense that you've one set of tires, it's an eight-minute qualifying session. If you flat spot a set of tires, you're put to the back of the grid if you take a new set for the race. So the pressure dial has been turned up in many ways because also in those eight minutes, you don't get a chance like you used to, to come in after 10 minutes and put on the second set and make a balance adjustment if you were an engineer made a wrong call at any point. So really this year, it just emphasized me the importance of nailing qualifying and, and rolling off right because the weekends are so short. You get one practice, eight minute quality, and then ultimately it's done I me mean, how hard it is to overtake in our, our championship there's very little actual 
proper overtakes made because you've pushed the pass, but you also have it activated to essentially push to defend. Um, so just an emphasis in qualifying has been mega for for, for us. That's a that's a big focus, and it's something that's started to 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 click. You know, and IOE qualified in the second row, um, and here at this weekend we were showing a lot of pace and obviously we started off championship points. So we expected to qualify up front again. And that's really the big thing. And just keeping your nose clean is very important in our championship and settling in. So probably just taking a bigger picture, focus on the right areas and then settling, settling into races and not getting too um, excited is something that I think as a second year driver, you just naturally pick up, you know. Sort of related to that question about just starting racing back in 2015. Mm-hmm. I saw, I think it was recently that you, you got to shake down Brian Redmond's formula 5,000 car. And I know that you, I, I think I remember seeing somewhere you drove some Emerson Fittipaldi IMSA car, you driven Derek yeah. Daly's F1 car. Nice. How does all that kind of stuff just yeah, jumping so, into that? Yeah. How does, how does that happen? Like I, first of all? And then how does like it I, help you race? Like, how does it, it make you even more skilled or advanced to just jumping into different things? I don't think it makes me any more skilled. It, okay. It just uh, it just feels like I was born in the wrong era sometimes because that stuff was so fun, <laughs> you know. Um, drove Derek Daly's Guinness Formula One March, Emerson Fittipaldi's, um, yeah, uh, IMSA car. That was uh, what livery was on that car. That was the famous one. Um, yeah, that was one of John's cars. I can't remember. Um, uh, and then Brian Redmond's car last week. That's another one of our, our partners owns it and. It's just super cool to get into that stuff. It's so raw, you know, really big horsepower cars, heavy, hard to drive. And it really just brings up your appreciation for those guys and what they did, you know, to think the Brian Redmond car in particular, you know, it's 550 horsepower. It's the same weight as an Indy Lights car. Um, Two fuel tanks either side of the driver, shoulders fully exposed. It's just insane it's like a a grenade on wheels basically um and we shook it down in the firm last monday and we're taking it out to the monterey classic uh next week i'm gonna drive it out there in the f5000 class so that'll be pretty cool so yeah i just love driving that stuff i'm a, a car nut or fanatic behind it all anyhow and, and it's something that i certainly want to do as my career progresses is start building up the, those collections because there's so much more to them than than you know, just the car, there's the history, the stories, how guys did the deals to get in them, what the certain wins did for certain drivers where it launched their careers to or didn't launch their careers to, you know, back in the 70s and 80s, all the dodgy deals that were done, as we all know about. It was just, it's just, it's fun just to, to, to it's like a form of history, right? You, you read about it and, and uh, I, I enjoy that a lot. Yeah, you're speaking my language. I'm a big racing history aficionado. So that brings me to, I guess, maybe just one question of curiosity is, if you had a car that you'd like to drive or that you'd like to own, if you could pick just a couple, maybe to start your collection, what, what would the you pick? Or for for the for the for your race car collection to follow in like Zach Brown's footsteps and have all your your race cars in a stable? Uh, or something. I think uh, I'd have to get both the Jordan Formula One cars, the one nine one seven up car, uh, and the one nine two. Obviously, Irish owned team Tourism Ireland was on the one nine one. John actually owned them both, believe it or not. So that's, oh wow how lucky uh i was to be around that i found a 192 for him in ireland um it was in a in a car shop in ireland uh and then i think um probably some of the the old 
Group C IMSA cars are, are very cool. Coca-Cola livery, um, I think it's the March. Yeah, it is the March. Uh, it's pretty, pretty neat. And then, honestly, the old 1600s, my uncle won the Formula Ford Festival in uh, 78 as the works Van Diemen driver. So I'd love to find his car. Um, and then probably some of my cars that I raced, you know, to date by them. And I think build it, build it out from there and see um, see what we got. But no, Jordan Formula One cars are on the bucket list, let's say. I think that's very respectable. I'm going to change the topic for a second, not to go off like awesome old cars, but we have a podcast driver Spotify playlist. Every driver gets to add a song, something either like favorite song of all time or something you're jamming to right now. Totally up to you. The playlist is totally ridiculous. So you don't, don't be afraid to add, you know, any, any genre. Let me see what we got. Um, the last song I listened to was Fallen Angel by Poison, driving back from the gym today. Okay. So that was kind of uh, cool. And then uh, really my Spotify, I'm looking at it right now because it's all over the place. I got all sorts. Um, <laughs> we were in Nashville for the weekend, so there's some country music there. We were playing in the truck with the team. Um, <laughs> and uh, Oh, yeah, I got all sorts. Shoot the Trill, ACDC. Um yeah, we got it all. There's uh there's all sorts here. There's uh Morgan Wallen. That was obviously from the weekend. Yeah, man. Here I could be here for a while. We got a mixture. <laughs> all right. I grabbed I grabbed a couple from from that list. I'm just where the hell is this playlist? Go ahead, Frenchie. So I think you have one of the best helmets on the grid, personally. <laughs> I just really think you've got a cool helmet design and I I, I guess how did that come to be? And have you had that for multiple years? I kind of don't remember seeing it before now. Yeah. It looks really good. So it, it, we joke, it's a trademark now. Um, so that's my uncle's helmet. My uncle okay. had this thing back in the 70s and 80s where he always had the same helmet. In the, in the sense, it was always green and the shamrock was always at the forefront. And then obviously, depending on who he did deals with or what was going on, teams decided the back would change. So I took his helmet and took that concept and, and brought it on. Um so yeah it's awesome i mean i'm the only irish driver over here doing what we're doing there's very few irish drivers involved in motorsport there's 45 million irish americans over here um and yeah for me that's pretty cool and, and to have the shamrock on the forefront of my helmet is uh what it's all about all right also, so i have I, sorry uh i think i have one more so you mentioned you know, some of the classic IMSA cars that you'd like and whatnot. Do you have maybe aspirations or goals if the opportunity arises, you know, to run a Rolex 24 or run, you know, a Petit Le Mans or, you know, be in that kind of that Kyle Kirkwood type role as the, you know, endurance guy for, for an IMSA you know, type championship? Yeah. You know, it's something that we're actually working on at the moment is trying to find okay. the right opportunity in that space, just in the endurance roles alongside what we're doing. Um, because, yeah, as I said, we did two preseason days this year on, on on the set of tires that we operate on. So there's a lot that you can be doing in the meantime, and and there's a lot of downtime. Um, so yeah, IMSA is obviously on the list. Asian Le Mans is on the list. Um, we right. got some conversations going in, in in those places right now, but it's it's always about you know the right timing for various aspects, lineup, car, manufacturer, why you're doing certain things, and. Uh, making sure it's all aligned with our goal on, on this side to uh, get the IndyCar. Country? 
given the like the next rounds coming up in the indie next championship do you have one that you're looking forward to obviously we talked about sort of how the results are building right now for the season like you've got the car set up you're looking at you know feeling better about it than you did earlier in the season which round is like standing out to you that you are looking forward to looking forward to indy this weekend okay. um honest with you we had pretty decent cars there earlier this year um we actually only did one lap in qualifying um for a reason that we 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 had a, uh, an issue with the car um and did one flyer and i think we qualified in the third row so with what we've learned since um and what we know now going back there is exciting and it's the home of uh motorsport over here so that's always cool and then yeah, St. Louis. I wasn't happy with my oval race in, in Iowa. Not at all, actually. Um, started on the front row and went low at the start. So I feel like I've uh, a bit of redemption to get or prove it to myself on the ovals going back there. I had my first pole in in, yeah. in on the road to Indy at St. Louis two years ago. Um, so looking forward to it. And then I haven't raced Portland ever and ever done Laguna. So that's exciting. Just going out there um, and seeing, seeing what those places are about. Laguna has been repaved, of course, um, which is exciting. It's a big race for us and our partner, Topcon, their global headquarters is, is quite near it. So we'll have a lot of support out there that weekend. So man, they're all good. You know, it's, it's, it's exciting. Uh, Nashville though was circled on my calendar as one where I think if I got my win, my first win there, you wouldn't have saw me for a few days. I don't know if I would have made this, uh, <laughs> this interview. <laughs> Awesome, man. Well, listen, best of luck throughout the year. See you at the track at yeah. some point, but uh, we're pulling for you to pull out a win uh, before the season ends. Thank you. I appreciate it, guys. Chat to you soon. Yeah, man, no problem. Okay. All right, see ya. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.